Welcome to Brain Disco with the Dinner Story Club Edition, the podcast for real dinner parties with real life stories. Your hosts are Alexis Beckett and Tony Heyer. Thanks so much for all the awesome feedback we received for episode one. It was the best motivation to produce episode two. Thank you so much. For any feedback, email us braindiscopodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at braindiscopodcast. There we recommend podcasts that we are listening to, plus we also show you pictures of our dinner parties and we ask you questions to participate for the upcoming episodes. Cool. I was just thinking if anybody has any ideas for other themes, any interesting themes to share, just send them through as well. That'd awesome, be great. Awesome, yeah. If you live in Cape Town and would like to join one of our story dinners, please email us at braindiscopodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by sunglasses because the future is looking bright. <laughs> so in Brain Disco's second episode, we talk about our personal mysteries, something that has happened to us and is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. And just another thing that might be difficult to understand or explain is that it's not just Tony and me in the studio, but also we're joined by um, Bailey and Piccolo. And Piccolo. So if you hear any mysterious sounds in the background, that's um, the Bailey dogs or Piccolo, <laughs> the dogs. Plus, we're actually also not in a studio-like environment because you like to keep it real, so there might be some birds chirping and so on. So it's real life. Yeah, or even neighbors, you never know. <laughs> yeah, they were actually <laughs> laughing just now in the background, so who knows? But back to the mystery. So there are many mysteries in life, like what happened to the Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 that vanished over four years ago? There and there are obviously smaller mysteries, like where are my socks? Yeah, and it's always behind, I mean, we solved that, it's behind the washing machine, Tony. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually got the idea for this mystery dinner party after telling someone about some of my personal mysteries and so I thought this might be another fun evening and um, so we met up with six people we sat around a dinner table we had curry cheese salad wine and beers coffee and ice cream and of course told our stories so of course there are rules tell your personal mystery something that happened to you that has not or cannot be explained you have to feature in it um, the second rule is everyone will get around seven minutes. No notes are allowed. Tell it straight from the heart, a real life story. And as usual, interrupting is not allowed. Laughing and crying don't count as an interruption. But if someone at the table wants to tell your story for you, no. It's your fucking story, so no interruptions. <laughs> Quite strict on that. But as you can see during the podcast, as you can hear, there are a few interruptions, but it's actually quite fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's interactive. Any dinner party as well needs needs a bit of music, and as usual, we have a theme um, and a playlist. The first track you're going to hear behind Tony's story, um, backing up Tony's story, is a piece by John Williams, which was used in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Very which, mysterious. Which, yes, and it's, the actual music was the way that the aliens communicated with the characters in the story so yeah that was that's 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 what that little refrain is but yeah and the other songs that you're going to hear throughout are a few of a really long playlist um unedited playlist i think it was like seven hours or something you can check out the link on on the notes 
If you've got a dog and you work from home and you're flexible with coming in and out of the house and sometimes a few times in and out, you know, we're sometimes in and out like five times a day, you get to know different people that are in your neighborhood because we're not just the ones that leave early in the morning to our job and come back at five and then meet those type of people. We meet people at random times because we are not set to, we're very flexible. So, you know, you know people without knowing them. They just become common faces when you move somewhere. So, so there's this family that lived just down the road um, in a small house like ours, a mom with two children. And they all look alike. Like they, the kids are cut out of her face. Like, you know, these are her children. It's very obvious. And at some point, um, and they're driving a, um, a golden Jaguar, the old Jaguar. And this Jaguar is in the road. And um, at some point, I say to Desmond, I think this family moved into the car. They don't live in this little house anymore. I think they lost the house because they were in this car the whole day. Desmond said, ah, oh, Tony, you're just nuts. It's probably, they're just probably repairing or whatever. No, then um, we're watching them going for dog walks. They are always in the car. And after a few months, then I told a friend, he said, Tony, you're crazy. And I said, drive past. Whenever you drive past, the family's in the car. Also with another boyfriend sometimes, or even people visit them. And then the they car. sit in the car. And, but you didn't see a lot of stuff. Like they had a blanket here and there and a pillow, but it was not like that there was... How like far it didn't, down the road was it? hundred meters down the road. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so it was, it was over the summer, then winter came and they were still there. And you know when then the glass gets a bit foggy, like that mm -hmm. heat and cold thing? Yeah, so, um, so we were really worried about them. And then we went overseas again, you know, for three months and we come back and they're still in the car. Anyways, more than one year, one and a half years later of them living in the car, they are gone. The car had a few, the car was still there and you know those notes like car will be removed then and then. And at some point the car was gone. Also the tire was um, flat, I think a few actually. So I'm like, oh my word, who knows where they are. And then the car's just gone. But the kid, the boy is still skating down the road up and down. And this week we saw he goes into a house like in the garage. So they must, they now live, or at least that's what I assume from observing. As I say, it's not my very own life story. I think the lady um, that the car lived in front for such a long time, I think had such pity with them that they now live in her yard or house or garage. Mm. Where the car used oh. to stand. I've seen those people. It's crazy. Because they parked all over the... They used yeah. to even move yeah. and at some point the yeah, car couldn't maybe. move. And, and the car was always for sale. Never sold. Oh. Maybe it sold in the end. No, I think it was removed. But so this story, this story was an idea to do this evening because it became such a mystery. And you just like, oh, let's maybe just buy them pizza hot chocolate to ask what's episode but because we live so close and they know our faces mm -hmm. if we know their mystery maybe it becomes then a problem and there are other issues maybe drugs or alcohol that you actually cannot resolve this mystery because it might become then a problem for you living here and you might get attacked for help i don't know mm -hmm. so this well, is one of the mysteries we listen to your podcast that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. But so this story inspired me for tonight. And um, there is an... I want to mention another two stories, if I may. Am I over my time? You've got uh, three minutes left. So another story. And actually, this is great because this is another Woodstock story. Maybe I'll just leave it, leave it local. So we moved in here and we immediately uh, made friends with a 
couple just a few houses down the road and she then freelancer she used to pop in every single morning for coffee like instantly <laughs> like we became a coffee shop it was like oh if it's like eight o'clock or eight thirty in the morning it's missy because you know like she always comes for coffee and it was like not even or may i I need a coffee. We're like, okay, cool. So, you know, it was fun to get to know like a place like that. Also, it, there is nice coffee here. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> but so anyways, the one morning, oh, now as you came in, we've got a gate now, the wooden gate, and you really have to it's make an effort to climb over mm -hmm. it. But back then it was, there was no gate. It was just this low little door that mm -hmm. you can just open. Like, was that? No, you could have hopped over it. Yeah. It was, we had a lock, but yeah. people still jumped over to get to the bin. So at some point we were like, oh, fine, let's hit <laughs> But so the one morning she knocked on the door because we never had a bell. And she's like, Tony, did you see what's in front of the house? And I'm like, no, it's still early. I haven't walked the dock yet. haven't left the house yet. She says, look at this. And there is a massive pile of poo. So if you, if I would have left the house, I would have stepped into it. Like it was the perfect location. <laughs> and then we're like thinking. Who could have done that? Like, because this was not dog shit, this was human shit. Mm -hmm. And this little gate that was there, the little door, it was like wooden planks also, so there were gaps. So someone that had a poo there never had a private poo. You could have just moved to the side where the wall is that you would have not been seen. If it's like a homeless person mm -hmm. that just needed to poo in some privacy. But it was like a statement. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the first week we moved here. It was almost like... You know, either um, a family that's always lived here and they're like, oh, they don't want another white young couple moving in and, you know, like gentrification vibes. <laughs> or maybe we actually asked him the other day. We were friends with the neighbor. He doesn't live here anymore. Maybe he got drunk and it was like a joke, you know, <laughs> or the new neighbors and we weren't friends yet. Is it? Uh, Rick is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we asked him the other day. Um, and um, so, so this really became a mystery. Like who would just have a real shit in also that spot where you will for sure step in it was a real statement shit and this also made me come up with this evening so but both of those stories are very much with stock stories and i can i have the exact same story your neighbor francia oh my word what a big mystery <laughs> she is a big mystery yeah but she so she had the other day in front of her house a, a um, what looks like a five liter water bottle that was Somehow spray painted or painted white to not be too plastic anymore, with some water in it, and then also just poo floating in this <gasps> like what? bucket container of water. It was so bizarre, and it stood there for a week. And we're then, outside her outside, just in front of her house. Human no. poo. Well, it seemed to be. Do you know the details? Like human or Doberman, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the details at all, but it was a complete mystery. But then luckily it, it left. So what I love about those evenings is that how a story triggers another story in someone else. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yes, I've also got a poo story. So like here with Francois. So, and that really is, is awesome. So anyways, who pooed in front of my door? <laughs> if it was you, email me. Subject line, <laughs> statement, poo. <laughs> Okay, so back to Francois' interesting neighbor. So my neighbor used to have on her wall a massive graffiti or like spray painted kind of piece of text, street art saying, I hate Woodstock. Um, that, and that's always been on her wall since I moved in. And then recently she changed it to say, I want to leave Woodstock. It doesn't say I, I hate Woodstock anymore. So I think she's calmed down somewhat. <laughs> she's started... Um, it's growing on her. It's growing on her. 
But so when I moved in the first <laughs> day, actually. what happened is when I when I came to look at the house before I bought it, the previous owner, who was obviously quite desperate to sell it, um, just told me, oh, the neighbor's quite interesting. I'm like, oh, all neighbors are interesting. That's fine. And then... I later realized that the, the previous owner had to move because the neighbor had, had a restraining order against him <laughs> and he was forced to actually move from the house because they got into such a bad wow. situation with one another. Mm. But so how I got to meet this neighbor was the, the first day I moved in, she came and knocked on my door and when I opened, she asked me, who are you and what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I live here now. She's like, oh, I'm so happy that you're here because I hated the previous people, but I'll probably also end up hating you. So... Um, it doesn't what a really make a difference. Um, and then shortly after that, she asked me, like, will you please come to my house? I need to ask you something. And then I went to her house and we went inside the front door and she locked the door behind us. So <laughs> and the house is extremely dark and the walls are painted a dark brown and it clearly hasn't been cleaned in years or decades possibly um and then as we walked in she told me she's been in hospital and doctors had implanted torture devices inside her body and that there's something inside her house now that's triggering these torture devices could i possibly help her identify (laughs) (laughs) um so i was quite amused just walking around like could it be this lamp and then she would be like, no, I've had this lamp for ages. It can't be the lamp. And I'm like, is it maybe this thing or that thing? Um, <laughs> but frankly, like, you're always up for something like that. I'm always up for like, but what, like, what, <laughs> what, what was your initial reaction when she, said, when she asked you if you could help her to establish what was creating this? I think my initial reaction was just do whatever it takes to stay alive. <laughs> 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 don't say anything threatening and if you can possibly help solve this women's crisis and get out then that's what you have to so eventually what was like in that same week I randomly had a conversation with a colleague of mine who has a lot, a lot of Dutch friends and he was speaking about his Dutch friend coming to visit him and complaining about the direction that his bed is facing in the guest bedroom because he has this belief that one should always sleep in the same direction as underground waters flowing. And apparently it's a kind of Dutch thing. I don't know if it really is, but that's what this person said. Um, and then when I was in her house, I realized that her bed's facing this way. And obviously being here, the underground water flows in this kind of direction. So I told her, I think maybe you should move the direction of your bed to be kind of like in sequence with the underground water flowing. And maybe that would help you in your life. And she's like, okay, cool, let's do this. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really strong enough to so be... So did you shift Because she also had like this massive, like weird, like bulky bed. And then I kind of helped her a little bit. And then she said, no, she's going to like finish moving around later. Because there's also like um, cat litter boxes all around the floor. Because she's many, many cats. And then um, <laughs> the next time I saw her, she said, the, the most amazing thing happened since I've moved my bed. These torture devices haven't been triggered. And I've been feeling so much more at ease and uh-huh. I haven't had any problems so since that first job, that was the first kind of encounter but then it also opened the door for many encounters to follow after where she's also the most recent one was was that she she received this very creepy kind of doll that's obviously like 50 or more years older like a little doll 
and then wears a little dress and she's little um, plaits from wool. Um, and then she asked me, could I possibly um, take this doll home with me and wash the doll's clothing because it, it's cursed. And she can't have this doll. She needs this doll as to protect her, but she can't have this doll while the clothing isn't is kind of tainted or unclean. So then I did take it home and I washed it. Um, and Gavin, my boyfriend, was so upset because he's like, please take this thing out of our house because it can't be here. Like, <laughs> you're like bringing this curse. Yeah, what are you thinking? Why are you fucking washing the clothes? But like, Franch was done that lady's laundry before. I've even washed her actual clothes before and her slippers. And she. <laughs> 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 but why did you get to the point where you were actually like voluntarily doing her laundry? No, it wasn't voluntary. It was just. Like, I happen to just end up in situations where I don't really know what to do, so I then just say yes. It's easier to say. But it's like I've ha- I have grown more firm in my boundaries to the point where she asked me to wash her dog, and then I said, No, I can't wash your dog. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I just said, I'm allergic, I can't actually wash your dog. I think we all agree that these stories call for a Woodstock neighborhood edition <laughs> filled with weird neighbor story. And I'm sure we can extend it to Zonnebloom District 6. I I'm sure it, because I, we were neighbors there, Alexis. Yeah, there I can definitely think of some mysteries. Oh, there are lots of Maybe some, some that happened maybe before or after you guys moved out. Yeah, maybe we learned something new. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also in those small Victorian houses we live in, like, you know, and we're very in very close proximity mm-hmm. to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then we watch them and make up stories from what we see. And maybe things are quite different, actually. Okay, next, um, over to John. He's got a neighborhood story to add to. Um, but I guess this is officially the mystery and neighborhood edition. I had an Ethiopian neighbor and with his Ethiopian wife. He was quite a small guy and they always used to have arguments on the stairs outside of their flat. And he would tell her, you're a prostitute. Anyway, one day he... (laughs) (laughs) One day he had a nervous breakdown and he ran around the complex naked and then he punched her, (gasps) punched her, knocked her out and then people came and took him away and that was the last time. But you've never seen him again? No. And is she still there? No. No. She's gone and there was a baby. She's knocked out. Alexis, tell us a little bit about John. It was his first time at our story evenings and I know you know him a little bit better. What type of guy is John? I've known John for probably about 13 years now. We used to work together. Um, over that time, um, yeah, I've heard a lot of his stories and thought he would be a great guest, as you'll hear. John has a way with stories in the sense that he's, he's really just quite like laconic and dry and then just some weird kind of like thing will come out of nowhere and you'll be in stitches or you'll be surprised or whatever and yeah John's got a lot of lot of those so it's always it's always good to hear his stories. Yeah, no, John was definitely awesome, and I also like um, when you listen properly now how Joe's very excited to listen to his story. <laughs> yeah. John, tell us yours. My story is about <laughs> my fractured relationship. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Interruptions, hello. <laughs> Cortex. Sorry, man. <laughs> Tony, you better watch out. She's yeah. like an ear yeah, over there. She looks quite short. Okay, just start again. <laughs> I know why you're cross. You'll find out later. <laughs> it's about my fractured relationship with luck. So we have to go back to the 1970s 
to start the story. Um, when I was about 12 years old, I was looking after the neighbor's pets in the school holidays. And um, the one day we got back from Midmar Dam and the maid said to me, the one dog is dead. Mm. So I went, I was in a state of shock because when you're a kid, it's amplified when mm. things like that happen. So my dad gave me a beer to calm me down. <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> so I was drinking that beer and then my dad went to the supermarket to get bread and milk and stuff. And he got back, he said, I just hit the cat on the way to the supermarket. And so the dog and of the they had two dogs and a cat so when they got back from their holiday they had one dog and um, you were an alcoholic and I was an alcoholic <laughs> yes with Charles <laughs> yeah so when they got back from their holiday I went on a long bicycle ride and I said to my dad you you killed the cat you got to tell him <laughs> so anyway I thought jeez oh, I brought a lot of bad luck to this family but then over the, ne- over the years that followed, I noticed there were lots of deaths in that family. And like there were a couple of fatal heart attacks because they all lived, all their cousins lived in that area as well. And the one son got eaten by a crocodile. What? He was in the army and he went for a swim. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, maybe it's not my bad luck that I'm bringing to the table it's this family has bad luck <laughs> so, so then I did some research into the Kennedys and I thought you know, does their bad karma transfer to their pets so that theory made me start think it lifted my spirits a bit but then when I researched the Kennedys I realized that many of their pets outlived them <laughs> like, you know, None of their dogs had skiing accidents or dr- drownings at Martha's Vineyard. So, so anyway, later on, I'd, <clears throat> I was in advertising and I moved around. I changed jobs quite a lot in Durban. Then I moved to Cape Town. And then I stayed at the same place for nearly, it's almost 30 years now. So like about 10 years ago, someone said to me, if you stay in one place for long enough, um, luck will find you. And I thought, yeah, I'm still waiting. <laughs> and then last year when the train hit my car, <laughs> the train hit my car and the paramedic said, you're one lucky boss. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to visit my sister in Stellenbosch huh? and there's a country road that has a train a rail, tra- railway line crossing it there's no boom or anything it's just a stop sign and I stopped and I looked but there were lots of bright lights along the railway line which were much and the train was coming straight towards me 
and I didn't notice it because the train's headlight is about a 40 watt light bulb or something and these all these security lights along the, the railway line sort of drown you I only noticed the train headlight when it was like up there so then I accelerated and the train caught the back of my car and did a like a 360 degree oh wow and then suddenly there was nobody there. It's a country road. Suddenly there were like 20 people. <laughs> From the train? Um, just people came out of the bushes. and <laughs> <laughs> South Africa, eh? It's all right. I love it. <laughs> and, yeah, the train hadn't sounded his horn as well, so mm. the driver was very stressed about mm. that. But so uh, we became buddies that night, the train driver. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, there were paramedics and everything, police and railway But you were fine? Yeah, I just had bruises. I was John, um, you're a lucky man and we're glad to have you here. Anyway, um, what John found out was... Another thing I saw on the internet was in 2012, the Western Cape governing body decided this is the most dangerous intersection in the Western Cape. Uh-huh. And they, d- they announced in 2012 that they're going to build a bridge over that railway line. Ah, one of those. What way the accident was? Yeah, but that was 2012. <laughs> it's 2018 now. It's and happened. And <laughs> Six months later, there was someone got killed there. <gasps> and it's quite a regular occurrence that people get hit there. So people, watch out um, when you're driving through Stellenbosch at night. By the way, John's cat, Nimrod, is still alive and well. And also the oldest cat living in his apartment block. He's also got another neighbor who had cancer. And he and his wife got addicted to the painkillers he was prescribed. And also drank too much Hunter's Dry. Okay, interesting place. So Jill is in a very chatty mood. So she's next up with a whole nother genre of mystery. (laughs) Okay, so my story starts... Eight years ago, when we had the World Cup here, the Soccer World Cup here. And at the time of the Soccer World Cup, Alexis uh, um, won an award and he went to Cannes in France. And I was here. I didn't go with him, he went over. And then he came back and it was the time of his birthday and we went to Ruby Castile for a little bit of a weekend away. And... We stayed at the Royal Hotel, which is the Royal Hotel from David Cromer's mm. song, the Royal Hotel. Um, and it was, it was really cool. And the morning of, of, I don't even know if it was your birthday morning or whatever it was, we had breakfast in the hotel and we both ordered their breakfast, which involved fried eggs on toast with bacon, water, water, water. And when the breakfast arrived, both your breakfast and my breakfast had two double yolked eggs on it, which is a bit weird. So yeah. we were like, oh, and the guy was like, oh, this is really interesting because he cracked these eggs and we both had double yolked eggs. So both in hindsight, I know that the chances of you getting, sorry, uh, the chances of you getting a double yolked egg is one in a thousand, apparently. So there were two double yolked eggs. Okay. No one thinks anything of that. So, so we had a wonderful weekend and, um, and Ruby Castle is a lovely place to go to. Um, and then we came back to Cape Town and I had a... A, a, like a half dozen eggs, six pack eggs in in the in the fridge, and in that week I used the entire six 
eggs and every single one of the eggs was a double yoked egg. Wow. Did you buy it in Ruby Castillo? No, 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 at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> and Not the fuck. And when I googled it, so the chance, so, so according to the British Egg Institute, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that is, so the chances of you getting a, a double yoked egg is one in a thousand, and the chances of you getting a six pack of double yoked eggs is one in a trillion. Whoa, not oh. and, and And like you, the chances of you winning the lotto is like one in 14 million mm. or 14 billion or something like that but the, yeah went in that so that was just my really weird like extraordinary like what the fuck kind of moment wow. i can't explain that are you but sure what a, what a double yoke egg looks like yes you can't <laughs> and it's not after lots of these <laughs> it's breakfast it's like breakfast eggs so yeah. you actually have like the well, clearest was you have like a very like singular vision at that point <laughs> and you do know what you're looking at <laughs> and, and the weird thing is that i from what i understand is when eggs are are um looked at like when they how i how i know it to be is, is they look they shine light through them to see if they've been like if the mm. egg is still mm. good you can see double yolks in there so so whoever's going look and then putting them in a pack must have looked to see oh, must have thought like this that. is really weird oh, but there's six here it was supposed to be not for in the shops it's oh geez, i'm gonna take them out who and knows? then it still went yeah. because another shift started. So we had this. Like, I'm going to put all of them in the same, same thing, thing. And someone's going to have the best, best day of their life. Was How it? bizarre. It's just but really weird. But not to know that they were like in another place. And the fact that we start, it started yeah. off with the two double yolks. Yeah. And it was really strange because when the man brought it out, Lexus and I were like, and he said, I oh, know, it's just weird. We cracked them both and they were both double yolks. Did you call the later on to ask if he also bought them at Woodward? Alexis, have you guys ever had double yolked eggs again at your house? I think so. I can't remember the details. I mean, Joe is more observant of these things than I am, but um, possibly. Yeah, lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Alexis, now it's your turn at the um, with your mystery of the night. Is there anything you want to say up front? Well, yeah, um, I really struggle to come up with uh, a story. I'm not as kind of yeah great as the rest of the, the guests. Um, don't put yourself down like that. <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. But anyway, I struggled. But um, I have a story that relates to me, which is kind of like goes back to when I was very, very small, and it has to do with um, spooks and ghosts and all that kind of thing, um, which I only actually discovered quite recently in a conversation I had with my mom. So, yeah, let's listen to it. So, I don't really have, like, a big family thing or a big, like, like connection to my family but like I am close to my mom and my dad to a degree and 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 that side of the family and like um and um I was talking to well Joe and I went to visit my parents to live in Betty's Bay and like we don't do it often enough but we did it and then my mom started telling me the story about my grandmother who I remember my grandmother's this Dutch lady um who I I, I, I called um, grandmama and like that was my thing and like she died when I was about five I think but I do remember I do have a recollection of this this lady I think she was in her late 40s when she when she died a while as, ago. as young as that yeah oh, wow. um, and anyway so um, 
my mom is telling me the story about how um like suddenly like I'm, with, with without any kind of like joe joe and i was sitting there and like like my dad was playing tv like ra- loudly and and we were trying to have a conversation as it normally goes and like you know, like, and, like and, shopping channels and not really even watching the loud TV and whatever. But in between all that kind of stuff, my mom was suddenly kind of showing me some like lots of family pictures and telling me and Joe and Bailey and her dog about how my grandmother could see um, ghosts. <laughs> and that just came out of the blue. It's like, oh, and like here's a picture of this person. And like, by the way, your grandmother could see ghosts. And like, and like, you know, I'm in like my forties. <laughs> like, like, it's like not like like why like tell me this before I me mean, like anyway or whatever. So that was a revelation. So I asked my mom a bit more about that. And anyway, so she told me the story about how um, uh, and things I knew. Like my grandmother used to be a midwife. And worked night shifts in hospitals, and um, and that was the additional knowledge that she apparently could see apparitions and um, yeah things, and um, she'd worked like night shifts, and um, apparently what would happen um, was that you know, doors would open, you know, like in the kitchens and things, like, like pot lids would fly off. And, um, yeah, like my mom didn't have that kind of like terminology to, to, to explain, but like, it's like a poltergeist, but like, whatever, but like, you know, pot lid would fly off a pot and, um, and, you know, according to my mom the thing was like she'd like say stop and then they would stop <laughs> apparently you know you know and then there was this kind of like like a kind of like there was an, like a, a kind of um i guess uh, a kind of like at least you know a kind of i guess a conversation happening so whatever so that was that story and like and then when they were growing like while they were growing up they lived like my mom was growing up at least. They lived in a house that used to be a church. And um, my grandmother used to see these apparitions of like this bride. And then subsequently there was a story of this bride who died on her way to the church. And like that was the apparition of things like that. But like long story short, whatever, like my my. Apparently my grandmother never told my mom or my aunt or my uncles the stories until they were adults. Because this was all happening while they were kids and stuff like that, but she kind of held them back until they were... Yeah, she was... Yeah, I don't think... doesn't sound like she was freaked out at all. No, it seems she like she was pretty, like, cool with it and whatever. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> interrupting. Um, but... Yeah, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of like angst or anything with it. It was just like there's this thing. It's like like almost like when Bailey barks at the housekeeper. You know, like, stop it, you know, you know. And that was it seems seems to me that was what it was. Like I wasn't there, and like my mom wasn't there, but my grandmother was. So like it's like hey, like I put the damn lid on the pot. Stop it. 
taking it off. It doesn't seem like there was any kind of like a fear thing or any of that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Maybe there was. But anyway, so they had this thing. But anyway, um, and then apparently like, yeah, my mom, like like my, my grandmother died when she was in her like 40s and stuff. And then like my mom's story is that when my grandmother died, she like, I was probably about four or five or whatever at the time, like stayed in my grandmother's room and whatever. And at that point, like my grandmother's a midwife. Um, my, um, while she was in the room with me um, at night, the door opened and my grandmother walked in and looked at us. And um, my mother is convinced that this really, really happened. And um, and apparently smiled at my mother and then walked off. And that was a kind of... In, in, in a nurse's uniform. In like a, I thought a white knight. No, 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 no. She wasn't like, yeah. She was in a like midwife outfit. Yeah, so like that's the story. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how wild that is. It's just like kind of weird. And like there's no explanation for it. And like, I don't know. But you don't remember it? I, I, I couldn't possibly remember it. Oh, but you know, if you're four years old. You five. might remember I don't it. Remember. The question is do you see ghosts? Not yet. Are we real? I'm still, I think it only happens when you kind of like do the secret handshake behind the bicycle shed and you say, I, don't I want to see ghosts three times in a row. While moving around anti clockwise <laughs> while like, uh, like, like drinking the blood of a seagull that has died. <laughs> by like whatever. The and then, and then, <laughs> whammo, you definitely see them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my story. Alexis, though, your wife says, Joe, that um, the problem is that you will actually never be able to figure out if you can see ghosts or not. Because as soon as it's dark, you instantly <laughs> fall asleep. So how are you going to figure it out? Okay. If you got that <laughs> talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really say much about that. <laughs> are you willing to stay up to figure it out? You know, maybe one day. Um, I don't know if I want to solve... Uh, mysteries don't need to be solved, Tony. You're right. That's the whole point. Okay, finally, like, although he's been very chatty and shared lots already, but this is this is Francois' actual mystery. So my, my actual mystery is about... It's strangely enough relates to something that you, you spoke about earlier, which is a car in Woodstock. Um, so my actual mystery relates to, to this car that I used to have that was a red um, City Golf. Um, the first one. It wasn't the classic one. It was like. No, I mean the car you moved here with. Yo, the car I moved okay. here with. Yeah, yeah. You know, you knew this car. It was like a beautiful little boxy red city golf that um, I drove down to Cape Town with. So when I moved here in, I think it was two thousand and twelve, the beginning of two thousand and twelve, or end of two thousand and no, beginning of two thousand twelve, I moved to Cape Town, and. Um, I moved here with my colleagues to start this business. So me and my friend and colleague, um, Fricky, that you also know, um, had this idea of we're going to move down to Cape Town. We didn't know exactly when we would leave. We just knew it would be within a certain time span. So he phoned me one morning and said, how about today? And I said, cool. And um, 
And I threw all my clothing in black rubbish bags and threw it into my red golfie and got in my golf and I met him on the highway and we kind of took the road down to Cape Town. Um, Where then, were you based? In Pretoria. Okay. okay. Um, but I mean, obviously there were plans in place, but we were not sure exactly about the logistics and we were just on our way. And then um, I moved here, many things happened, and then eventually I ended up in Woodstock, still with my same little red golf. And then strange things started to happen in my golf um, while I wasn't there. So moving down from, from Pretoria with, very, with only the things I could fit in my car, one's quite has like quite a record of what you own and what you don't own. So when things go missing, you realize that things have gone missing. <laughs> so um, in my car, I started realizing that certain things that were in my car got lost, like certain CDs or a pair of sunglasses or a jacket. Or I was also quite stupid in leaving stuff in my car, as one is when you're not kind of careful. But um, I started realizing things started get missing and then discovered that someone... Um, had a kind of method of opening my car when I thought it was locked, the locks were kind of dingy, and was sleeping in my car. And would then sleep in there like maybe it's the same people that slept in the car in your (laughs) (laughs) I think it was their car though. (laughs) Um, But I don't think this was an entire family. I think this was just an individual with very good taste because the things that would disappear from my car were like exquisite things like a Bjork CD and like a beautiful pair of sunglasses and there's like mother of pull in these and <laughs> so like very nice things got that I probably shouldn't have left in my car but they got missing like one by one so um eventually I realized someone's probably sleeping in my car at night and slowly but surely taking certain things but like great things and maybe this person's gonna start a band or become very cool and then I've <laughs> contributed to this this person's creative process in some other way um and I also realized it was winter so it was quite cold so I decided it's fine like I'm not gonna actively endorse this inhabitation of my car but I'm also not gonna like do anything about it until winter's over so then winter stopped and I fixed the locks blanky in there <laughs> no, whatever was in there was disappearing anyway so it would have been this relentless replenishing of the stock in the car so I didn't actually do that but then at some point I, I, I had the locks fixed so I had like a little immobilize or like a little alarm button that I could press so it would lock my car and the locks were secure and everything was fine um, then months and months and months went by um, up until the one night that I had to I was working at a um, career expo at Pinelands High School um, of all places it was <laughs> the very first time that like for us as a new school we were having our, we had our first representation at a career expo it was awful because <laughs> um, we were just talking about kids about like our school and we didn't actually have a school yet it was like we're going to be the school um, and afterwards um, me and, and um, my colleague were quite depressed about like how stuff the evening went like being in a school hall for so long mm-hmm. brings back all those memories of being in a school and <laughs> <laughs> so we decided afterwards now we need to go for a drink somewhere so I was driving in my little red um, golf and he was dr- driving behind me in his red uh, in his black whatever car and um, 
I told him, you must just follow me. And as soon as I see a bar, I'm going to pull over and then we can stop and have a drink. So I kept on watching him in my rear view mirror and kind of went and we we ended up at, um, what is it called? It's like a... It's like a kind of salsa vibe bar in, in Newlands. Um, doesn't matter. Um, so we park there underneath the streetlight. I park my car. We go inside. We have a drink. But then the bar is actually not like a nice vibe. So we end up having one drink and leaving. And then I get to my car with its wonderful functional locks and alarm and immobilizer and get into my car. And realized that my car hasn't doesn't have a rear view mirror anymore. Like the rear view mirror that's in the car, like installed on the <gasps> windshield, is gone. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, where is my rear view mirror? And I distinctly know I had it when I arrived because you were looking. I was looking at my friend behind me, <laughs> and I was kind of making <laughs> sure that he's following me. <laughs> so I Hello. look underneath the seats and I look at the back of the seats and I get out and look underneath the car until today I have no idea what happened to that mirror it was just gone I I just never (laughs) ever saw it again it's so weird like it must have been it must have left to another dimension I just have no clue so I really wonder what happened to Francois's rearview mirror but who knows? There's some stories that involve animals, and I don't know what that means really, like if it's a sound or something. I know that Joe has a thing with butcher birds. Um, often, you know, when she's very happy or when things are going well, um, she sees butcher birds, and who knows if it's just that one is aware of these things and you kind of look for them at certain points, or if there's really like something even more mysterious behind these things like maybe they're reincarnated people or something weird like that I don't know or signs I like the idea of signs but um, that takes us to Desmond's story so something happened to me right after my grandpa died it was almost similar to your story so your story was like yeah and I'll tell now what it is but after it happened I was like just just like whatever can't be it's almost like your egg story as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Wait a minute. Look, one interruption. Does it have anything to do with a rear view mirror? Yeah. No. Oh. That's language. No. Um, so I had coffee with a friend on Tuesday. Amongst other friends. And he told me about that his friend died not so long ago. And in Durban. And they had a funeral. And apparently the funerals suck. They were just old people and like sandwiches and tea and it was just like a horrible vibe. As funerals are. And and all the friends all the friends decided I, I, I take it that this guy was also a surfer. All the friends decided, okay, cool, now we're gonna go for a surf after this. The, so so was this friend like no interrupting ask question, was this friend quite young? I've got no idea. Oh okay. So it's not uh, like probably, probably about my age. Because oh, he's my age. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just putting context. So forty. And they said they're gonna go for a surf, and they went for a surf, and the swell wasn't particularly good. They didn't really have a nice surf or anything. They were just there chilling behind the waves, on their surfboards, and this massive whale came, like a I don't know what whale. Sperm whale. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> 
and stuck with him for a while. <laughs> the they didn't just the whale that comes. They just swim past and they, the whale went to each surfer and like swam underneath each surfer and just disappeared. Oh, that's so bizarre. Yeah. And this gave me the flipping creeps. And I, then I immediately remember what happened to me. And I thought, maybe, maybe there is something to this story. So my grandpa died and he stayed on the West Coast in this small little town of Dwaskaspos. And my parents still stay there. So the first time we went back to Dwaskaspos after he died. Now, this was a weird feeling because he's not there and it's almost like the whole vibe of the city is gone, of the little town is gone now. And that next morning, I went for a long mountain bike ride on the beach, like 20 kilometers or something. And there was a little black birdie following me. He was like above my head. And then cheep, 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 cheep. And there were lots of other birds around, but like they come and go and there's different types of birds. But this one little birdie stuck over my head. For like long. After a while, I was like, "Jeez, what's going on here? Are you my grandpa?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's my story. It was he my grandpa. Do we get recycled as humans? Or Jeez. I don't know. I don't believe in those things, but maybe we should start thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know how much Desmond's grandfather meant to him. Bless him. He was really a special guy, but I'm sure mm -hmm. he's doing well in heaven and actually listening to this podcast. Yeah, maybe he can feature in the next uh, the next podcast ghosts. Yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> Difficult yeah. to produce. We can well, we're not are we are we are we proposing we invite some ghosts to dinner? Or is that opening a can of worms we don't want to open? Let's talk about that later. <laughs> I have to think about this. But so Desmond's story was the last one of the evening. Mm -hmm. um, I've obviously got another few mysteries. Do you want to hear another one? Yeah, go for it. Let me just say, I'm a storyteller and I always go over my time limit. So I'm going to be quick here. This from the person who imposed the time limit. Exactly. <laughs> just to keep it short. Yeah. So I was walking around London. It was actually Notting Hill. It was my second time in London. I haven't explored, hadn't explored uh, Notting Hill beforehand. And I'm walking past a bank mm -hmm. and um, there's money sticking out of an ATM. Mm -hmm. So I look around, there's no one. So I go to the ATM and I take the money, put it in my pocket. And then a second later, someone is like tapping my shoulder and saying, hey, um, do you know where this and this road is? And I said, no, I'm not from here. But you won't believe what just happened. I walked past this ATM, there's money sticking out, and I took it. Do you think I have to like, bring it to the bank here? And she said, no, if you pay take it to the bank, they will keep it. Once it's out, it's out. It's probably meant for you. And then she said, but okay, I'm looking for a street and bye. So, and then every time I heard an ambulance or kind of a siren, whatever, I was like shrugging. I thought, I felt a bit like a criminal. So anyway, so then later in the day at Waterloo Station, I actually checked how much money it is. And it was 350 pounds, which was a lot of money. I was there just after finishing high school. So there was a lot of money and I could actually buy quite nice food for my poor friend that was living there and all yeah. things we needed for four weeks. It was great. And this is still... I mean, you've heard the story before. It's my famous ATM story. Yeah. And um, there are other stories linked to it, but this is still a big mystery. I would love to know if what happened for that person not taking the money or if the ATM just... It's an awesome... money. I just want to know. So. It's an awesome story. And it's like the right time, right place. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and actually I went to a wedding last 
week and um, we just got to know each other and I told that lady about um, the story nights and then she said yeah but what kind of stories you're telling for example so I told her this story and immediately it triggered another ATM story mm -hmm. and I think really this is so awesome so I just want to encourage all the listeners that remember you can do this at home just mm -hmm. tell a story, get others to give the others the platform with a dinner, for example, to tell their own stories. And if you do it, let us know how it went. Send us an email, braindiscopodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I think the great thing is that you get to think about things and be a little bit more aware of things and not take things for granted. And I think that's a that's a kind of cool outlook, I think, if anything. Because yeah. it makes you notice things that Maybe you wouldn't if you weren't cognizant, so that's cool. Yeah. Alexis, is there another mystery that you want to tell us? I can't think of No, definitely not. <laughs> Let me just tell the dogs to shut up. Shush! Yeah, like, what's that sound in the background? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I, talking about mysteries, I just read these beautiful words by Albert Einstein, and I think you, with your perfect English voice, should read them to us. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. He to whom emotion is a stranger, who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Alexis. This was really fun to produce the second episode of Brain Disco. Yay! I'm very excited for what is to come. There will be actually an episode coming up it's part of the random people we meet edition. Okay. I'm making so up not editions the ghost as I've got um, material. Okay, cool. So not, go not the ghost edition. No. And I promise the third episode, like, you don't have to wait as long as you had for the second one. Okay, cool, cool. No more jet setting, huh? For, for the next while. Yeah, for the next few weeks. <laughs> okay, all right. Brain Disco is produced in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. For any feedback, please mail us at Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at Brandisco Podcast. Plus you can find the playlist for the dinner party in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your podcast loving friends and rate it on iTunes so others can find it. Goodbye, Tutsins and Hamburgachle. Yay! <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Duxiega, made in Cape Town for good dogs everywhere. <laughs>